new world where the theme song changes every week we're gonna purchase an audio recording device in a world where chris pratt is also chris pratt and chris jim and he goes to a problematic church Abandoned his child in Anna Ferris. But we're just trying to have a good time, folks. But we don't remember that. Yeah, we're all just trying to. He's the dinosaur guy now. Yeah, he's so funny. I cracked my shit up. We we bought a mic. Wow, I like the fake outs at the end of that one. Man, it keeps... Oh, there's another verse coming It's, it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is podcast. All right. Everything is pod when you're pod of a cast. Every Ooh. Hello. Hey, hello. Good, good. Welcome, everyone. It's we a... a mic. It's a groggy morning. Yeah, it's what I call a late night <laughs> podcast. It's a crack of dawn. Uh, we're, you know, we're we're all going to sound like Ma- Mark Maron on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's going to happen. Good morning, what the fuckers. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Pajama Drew. And I don't know about you guys, but I actually haven't slept in a week. You know why? I don't know why. Because I've been celebrating that Super Bowl win. Uh, oh, no. It, it seems like a million years ago that the Super Bowl happened. I mean, really, it's almost just like I didn't even get like that happy anymore whenever they won the Super Bowl because at this point, it just happens like yeah. six Super Bowls and truly, years. like it. The viewers agree; <laughs> it had the lowest ratings in ten years, and it was a bad game. So I, I winners disagree with that. The technically the winners were the Patriots, yeah. but the losers were everyone else, including us. So, um, everybody hates hated watching this game i think except for me um i loved it because i like watching uh, a chess match it's like going to the chess tournament champions and just watching <laughs> yeah i used a jeopardy thing because i don't know what the fuck they're called but um just watching <laughs> two defensive masterminds play mm-hmm. field position games with each other mm-hmm. doesn't make for great tv it's like watching the inner cogs of a clock wind uh-huh. Yeah. That, I, I had to pull up the slack at our at our watching party because the game was ridiculously boring. I had to crack jokes like every two <laughs> minutes. Everyone was falling and asleep. And unfortunately, the ads did not really inspire the crowd either. Very uh, lackluster ads and a halftime show by Maroon oh, 5. Oh, let's talk about that halftime show. Um, Yeah, so, it, I mean, it was a total mess. Like, it, it was doomed from the very start because they announced Maroon 5. Everyone's mad. They want Atlanta people. They're like Travis Scott is uh he looks like he could be from Atlanta so we'll get him <laughs> he's probably from the UK gonna get yeah. deported uh big boy you know outcast he can come on for about 30 seconds and then fuck off he can start to sing sicko mode in the middle of maroon 5 songs like wait what and also it's really sad that people don't know who big boy is they're probably like oh it's uh they hear and they're that like guy ah, that's the music that my dad listened to <laughs> It yeah. was just sad. So, uh, yeah, everyone, no one walked away extremely happy. Let me talk about how I lost $2.2 million on the uh, worst fake out of all time that they were going to play Sweet Victory. I was promised that they would play Sweet Victory. That's from exactly SpongeBob. what the bet was. 
yes, that Maroon yeah, Five, Maroon would, 5 play. would play. That's they why I didn't bet on favorites. it. Yeah. So it seemed like that was going to happen. Yeah. So essentially, what we got was a harsh cut to SpongeBob footage, which was yeah, <laughs> just just from nowhere. the from the cartoon. They didn't make anything new, I don't think. And yeah, it was just the you know the trump- to make it look like Travis Scott was coming down it, in a fireball. Yeah, and it was the epic trumpets in, that introduced Sweet Victory at the Bubble Bowl, and then we go to Sicko Mode, which was disappointing on both ends because Sicko Mode. It's it started with Drake's part and he wasn't Drake's there. <laughs> he wasn't even there. And then Travis comes out and like half his words have to be censored because the song is very. At profane. first, whenever you heard Drake's voice, I'm like looking around the stage, like, wait, where's Drake at? Where's Drake? Oh, he's not there. And it's that's just... that is embarrassing. Like logistically, this was an embarrassment. They the biggest star. They couldn't even get there. Yeah. A guy whose voice they used in the show. Hey. Adam Levine would like to have a word with you about your biggest star comment. Oof. So, I mean, at this point, is the halftime show just, like, destined to be bad? I feel like the only way that people don't get upset is if they get, like, a legacy act to play. Like, if they get the Rolling Stones to play or the Did Who. Did they play? The Stones play? I uh, mean, a while back. Okay. Yeah, the, the Who, who played the who a was few years horrible. ago. But I'm just, talking about, I'm just talking about that's the only way that people will be less angry. Right. Because if you get just a newer pop artist, it alienates old people. It even alienates like young people that are watching it. They're just like, well, this is not good like because they try and blend all these different genres because be like yeah we have pop music hey look we got hip-hop music too because we're in hotlanta um what one guy who splits the difference is bruno mars um because he's a great show well yeah he's actually like a showman and like he can sing and he, he you know he did a drum solo that one year and it was really cool uh and then you can bring out all his features because like like the last one it was his second super bowl so they really it was just mostly about like beyonce and whoever else showed up. Yeah, but like, why? Why did Travis Scott come to play with Maroon Five? Like, that doesn't make any well, sense. Because they that were blending of. Yeah, they were they were artists. flailing. They really like they people were just saying no, especially hip hop. Like hi, the hip hop community is not because of all the NFL. Yeah, is frowning upon football right now. Yeah. Cardi said no. She would have made more sense because she's heavily featured on the album and she has her own hits. Her her hits are like poppy enough that they would blend with Maroon Five a little better. Uh, it, it was just a fucking mess. Big Boy came out and he did a, like a second of uh, I like the way you move and then he left. Yeah. And it was just it was a fucking embarrassment because uh, you have all of Outcast catalog on the table and you have but half no of Outcast. Andre. Andre was like, no, nah, yeah, you have you have sicko mode and you have half of the people who do sicko mode. You have Maroon 5 and they're just like, the you know, they're like eating toast. <laughs> um, Andre was like, only if James Blake is there. It was it was a mess. It sucked. Uh, um, one one more thing. I did like that they played "Harder to Breathe." They opened with that from "Songs About Jane." Yeah. That was awesome. That was not even on the list because you could bet on which song Maroon Five would open with. That was not even yeah. on that. So you'd be getting like thirty to one odds on I, "Harder to Breathe." I fucking love that song. And we got to see Levine nipple. He mm. did he see. Took Levine. he he strategically removed his clothes throughout the whole set <laughs> so that by the end, as the fireworks were coming up, he just went full shirtless. Yeah, revealed his atrocious <laughs> set of tattoos. His California tattoo, because nothing says Atlanta like California tattoo. <laughs> yeah, someone my favorite tweet about him said uh he looks like he has memento yeah. disease, <laughs> except he has to keep reminding himself what an asshole he is. <laughs> 
And then the other good one was he, he looks like if uh, Rockstar was designed by Target. Nice. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the ads? Any good? No. Any good ads? Um, I don't there know. was Bud Light Game of Thrones oh, mashup, okay. which was Fuck. the worst abomination I've ever seen in my life. Ugh. And it makes me never want to watch the last season of Game It of also Thrones. opens up so many possibilities <laughs> about where Bud Light fits into the lore yeah, of Game Yeah, because I don't know what's happening. Because Game of Thrones gets burned up by... Drogo. By Drogo. So, like... Bud Light does. Yeah, so... Is that saying that we shouldn't drink Bud Light because Bud Light bad? I, I guess. I don't know. I, I think it's saying... I, I said this at the party. I said that... Uh, I think it's saying that Daenerys is a strictly micro-brew advocate. That she's against all those big brewers. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, that's the Super Bowl. It was a grand old time. Um, and sucked. For oh, many I years would say for uh, biggest winners, I have to throw myself in there. Mm. As I came out... million dollars on top after this thing damn so you're gonna you're gonna be uh sitting pretty for now you're just gonna put it all back in oh well i'm already gambling i've already lost half of it but (laughs) i have big plans on what i'm gonna do with my other half oh yeah okay it's worth we have one more quick item of news uh that we missed last week and that is that there's a new judd apatow flick in development with Pete Davidson as the star, and it's going to be a autobiographical story. Um, I don't know if you podcast listeners know, but Pete Davidson has a pretty tragic backstory involving the the death of his father in Mm -hmm. 9-11. But we all know Judd Apatow makes comedies. So how do we think this is going to play out? I I have a really clear picture. We have comedy and we have (laughs) 9-11. Yeah, we're Max Keeble. Max Keeble. It's Max Keeble. Oh, it all unfolds. Yeah, it's a Max Keeble movie. I, oh my god! So, um, Pete whenever, has grown up, Max Keeble. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I heard about this, I kind of got I my thoughts on the vibes of the movie is going to be something like The Big Sick, where it has like genuine humor in it, but at right. the same time, it's kind of an emotional story that will really get you invested in it all. That wasn't an Apatow directed movie, but it was straight out of his. Like, yeah, it yeah, was kind of playbook. right out of his wheel. Yeah, wheel. yeah. So also, I think uh, something uh, around that vibe. Also, Trainwreck uh, is a very similar vibe. Yeah, Trainwreck, but Trainwreck never really gets that dramatic. It has like little moments of tension, I guess. Yeah, but... LeBron is not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? He's really good that. in that movie, and it does it does get pretty serious. Um, I, for an Apatow movie, it gets more serious than like ninety percent of them. But yeah, Big Sick is definitely more serious. But hey, we're gonna have something in that funny vein. people. Yeah, that's the one that does get more serious than yeah. Trainwreck, and in a worse way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to um, me, to me, this is kind of um, it's similar to John Mulaney hanging out with Pete and taking him to like Steely Dan concerts or whatever. It's like, hey man, we we don't want you to. You know, well, to, so he, to do it, so <laughs> here's, let's make a movie about you. Here's the thing about that is like, it's cool. Like Mulaney's like, yeah, you know, we're we're hanging out, and it's like, I'm teaching him how to, you know, be a normal adult, and it's like, yeah, also you're, you know, uh, profiting by just being around him is good for you, right? Like, like Apatow is doing this to make money off mm-hmm. of the hot person, um, which is totally fine. Like that's producers that's their job is to find out who is coming up and then make their movie like he did with Schumer mm-hmm. in her moment he put out the movie that encapsulated her moment and it did insanely well uh same thing with Kumail so 
Uh, I think it's going to be good. I don't see why it wouldn't be good. I like Pete Davidson. Uh, he's super funny. And, of course, he's playing himself, which is you know what he's best at he's (laughs) he's starring in an indie that's making the rounds right now and apparently he's very good in it um because the only question mark for me was his actual acting ability but evidently he's actually a good actor from what i heard he plays a role very similar to himself in that film so it's not like he's really (laughs) branching out not really showing his chops too much but i yeah i think i know what you're talking about the sundance movie Mm -hmm. i think it's called big time adolescence Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That sounds. But yeah, this uh, this Judd Apatow movie is supposed to come out next year. It's probably shooting this year. We don't know too much about it. We just know that he's in it and he's helping Judd write it. So I think cool. they I think they'll be like co-writers uh, on it. Do we think Ariana Grande is going to make an appearance? No. Well, will they know. touch that? Mm, maybe it, it probably won't catch up to the present. It'll <laughs> it'll probably be like. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what it is. But it, it's she. I mean, if she it'll, does, it'll be a little it'll like joke. Cut yeah. up. It'll fast forward to his Howard Stern interview where he's like, "Yeah, I used to jack off to her before we started dating." Cut yeah. to credits. You're like what? I'm gonna. <laughs> That's the ending of the movie. I I hope she. I it's gonna. She's gonna be like the clerk at his store, and she's gonna be like, "Thank you, next," and then it'll just like cut oh. away. And every, uh, and the whole crowd is going to like wow I clap yeah the whole the crowd's gonna clap okay um all right well that's the news let's get into our catch up corner here uh we got a lot to talk about before we get to Lego mm-hmm. Movie also I didn't say this at the top of the show but we're counting down our top three non Disney animated films in honor of uh what is it Black History Month <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that what we're celebrating you know black people in animated movies <laughs> long storied history yeah, yeah. Valentine's Day uh also so going up. yeah so catch up corner. Um, let's, let's do this. Um, Drew, what have you been catching up on? Well, we never talked about Toro y Moi. Moi? Moi? Toro y Moi. Toro y Moi. Toro y Moi. His, uh, new album. Uh, so Toro y Moi is like a, he's been in the indie scene for a while. He's just one guy. Um, and he's, I, I'd call him unique. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of his actually, uh, He's he does all his own shit, and I really admire that more than I like uh, the end product most of the time. But his his newest album, I actually am a fan of. How do you guys feel about it? I think it's great. I uh, think it's it, called Outer Peace. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I've never really gotten too into his stuff, but this is definitely the album that's caught my ear the most. Mm-hmm. Um, it has. It's like very daft punky in like a yeah. fun like house music kind of a way that I wasn't really expecting to have like kind of the the punchiness to it. I think I think but, Daft Punk relies more on these like looping sort of overlapping Yeah, I more so just meant that kind of very uh like you just put it on and you just want to start dancing. Like yeah, it has what good sure. house music does. This is this or is even my... like very early like first album L C D sound system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a better comparison because from what I know from okay the the album that turned me on to Torima was uh Boo Boo 2017 which that album is more of like this vortex into a soundscape like it's like you're going through a tunnel of sound this album is more of like groovy dancey synth pop like you're more like just kind of vibing with with these dancey tracks instead mm. of like traveling through a portal of sound. Yeah, uh, the way yeah the way I would describe this album is I don't know if I have done this on the pod, but it's like the best 
like if you heard a really good song on it H and M, and you're like, oh, that yeah, that's actually a good yeah. song. Yeah, especially the the track uh, "Freelance," which is mm. like the main track off the album. Yeah, um, super dancey track. He is honestly, he has never put out an album that like through and through I can truly enjoy. This one comes the closest though, where like there are only a couple songs that I really want to skip. Uh, most of it is very enjoyable for me. It's t- it's a tight thirty. It's yeah, it's definitely a solid album. It's yeah, like you said, it's short. Uh, I have kind of already burned myself out on it a little bit and I didn't even listen to it that much, but I, there's something about Tori Moi that just is, I think it's because I know that I should like him, you know, it's because I'm like, man, all the ingredients are there. Why, what's, why am I not vibing with this? I, um, I actually haven't really listened to it in like a week. Uh, I started kind of listening to it. I listened to it a few times right whenever it came out. I love the song Fading, the first song in the album. is super, oh, that's super a, catchy. Yeah. That's the ultimate song that you were saying that you hear in H&M and you're like, I like this. Yeah, exactly. This? <laughs> or in like an Urban Outfitters. Let me Shazam um, this. I, speaking of LCD sound system, even in the song Laws yeah, of the Universe. he shouts out James Murphy. <laughs> he uh, does a twist on the LCD sound system. Got Punk is playing at my he house. He says James Murphy's spinning at my house. Yeah, which is that's a great touch. Really that's cool. cool. Um, um, so yeah, yeah, no, but I, I, I like it. I'd recommend it. If you're kind of into that music, it's really good music to kind of put on and do stuff yeah. around your house. Yeah, it doesn't really w- require intense listening. Like, it's it's pretty easy to listen it to. It just carries a nice, dancey groove. Yeah, a that, lot of his other music kind of meandered into these other areas of, like, yeah. you know, chill wave or whatever the fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this is, like, a straight-up, like, synth, dancey pop record. Yeah. Um. So, have you guys listened to the new Sharon Van Etten album? Still haven't, no. no. Man, it is great. Like, it is it is really, really good. It, it's up there with my favorite of the year thus far. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. Who cares, you know? Uh, Remind me tomorrow. Yeah, so this album, she hasn't really... I haven't listened to much of her before, uh, but she's been around the block as an artist. Like, she's done a lot of different things she's put out a lot of music uh she dabbles in other mediums uh and she's like older now like she's been through like a divorce and i think she has kids and stuff i mean um, she's 37 so yeah she's not like well, super old old for a female artist of right. any kind <laughs> um like if she was an actress the clock would be ticking even um and she this is just like a super mature like interesting sounding rock album like it's almost like like evanescence for adults and it's and it's also really good and not uh bad nice. <laughs> um it's just it, just all around like they're they're synths used they all like have the right pitch to them really no sound is out of place in this album like that's that's something i always look for there's really nothing that sticks out as like oh that's a mistake is it is it kind of like a straight down the middle like indie rock album or does she do any sort of like, um well, experimental stuff well i like, compared it to evanescence because it's a little bit uh, darker than yeah, that, yeah, that's not indie rock that's, well yeah, yeah but it, but this is indie though okay. like it's a little darker than like indie rock in the vein of like hop along or like snail mail or okay, one of these right kind of like newer, newer chiller yeah. bands um it has it has a darker streak than that but it's really not it's not like emo rock like it doesn't it doesn't have like this like morose like overly uh, rot feeling to it where it's just like yeah god it, like it's not tiresome to listen to it really it finds a balance that i've never quite heard before um if you like mitski you'll probably love this uh, okay. it has similar levels of like introspection and really really fun lyrics they have similar ranges vocally 
Um, but also, it's, she was uh, she guest starred on Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, she she acts. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and a lot of this, the lyrics of this album are reckoning with like, I think she was in a very abusive relationship and she talks about that. So it's, it really is like Mitski, but more rock oriented and darker, but a similar sensibility of just like really, really well put together music. Uh, really thoughtful. Nice. Sharon Van Eaton. Eaton or Etten? Etten. Okay. Remind me tomorrow. It came out a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess I'll just keep fucking going. Yeah, jeez, so tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, come on, drive it home here. It's some good. What about rock. have you guys listened to Boogie yet? What is this? No, the rapper Boogie. Oh, 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 no. Um, I, I thought you were talking about like Boogie Cousins, like the, <laughs> the NBA no. star. You wish. <laughs> um, this, yeah. So Boogie is a uh, Compton rapper who has he's been in the scene for a long time. He but he hasn't put out an official album yet, just mixtapes. Um, and he just put out his debut, and it is extremely solid. It's that's what I would call it, like a very solid record, um, through and through. So, do you guys know who JID is? Yeah, yeah. we you, haven't I talked. You brought him up. We haven't. Yeah, we haven't really talked about him. We didn't review his la- his debut last year. They rem- they are so similar in a lot of ways, not in their style at all. Um, but JID, it, he put out a super solid debut. But you can really hear a, almost a little too much influence coming from like Kendrick Lamar mm. specifically, where you're like, and that happens with a lot of debuts, where you're like, well, you haven't quite like outgrown your predecessors, but the potential is super there. Like that's what that album was. To well, me. they're Compton rappers, right? Um, I don't know where JID's Bo- from. No, oh, okay. Bookie is Compton. Yeah, yeah, JID isn't actually. He's he's from uh, somewhere else. I think he oh, might okay. be Atlanta, but. It just, you could hear the direct influence, just almost a bit too much, even though it's impressive to be able to emulate someone Mm. like Kendrick Lamar. This is similar in the vein of, like, it's really solid, it's a good album, but you can almost hear a little too much Chance in there. Um, His voice naturally does sound like Chance, (laughs) so that's something you can't really control. Um, but just a, on occasion, you'll hear a, like a little flow or a little verse or an ad lib and you'll be like, all right, I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I get what you're doing. here." That's crazy that Chance has been influencing a whole new crop <laughs> of artists. It is. It's really it's really cool to me because this is a, a really good album. It's one of my the best hip hop debuts I've heard in a long time. I actually like it better than J.I.D.'s. Uh, J.I.D. is featured on a song in this album called Soho, and it's a great song. There are really good, like, more traditional, like, just banger hip-hop songs that are, uh, you know, more more catchy, more hook-oriented. Uh, and There's the, one with Eminem. Um, yeah, Eminem is pretty pretty annoying in, in it. Uh, <laughs> can we? Can Eminem just stop? <laughs> like, he's he's done. It's I'm not saying he's, he's bad. Like, at one point, he was really great, but he's done. It's over. Eminem is over. He needs to do uh, eight. Eight mile to sixteen mile. He was over when he did his uh, sixty-four mile. When he did squared. when he did his Trump freestyle. You remember? Oh yeah, he, in like a parking lot. He's like, "Excuse me, Mister." <laughs> he's like, "Mister President." <laughs> it just—I remember once it started. I was like, "Oh, this is." He goes, "That's an awfully hot coffee pot." <laughs> Off, be ashamed if I hit you know. It, it was like, "Nope, you're done." Uh, but yeah, this album is called Everything's for Sale. It's it's super super solid. It's very smooth. Uh, there's a lot of jazziness to it. Um, really easy to listen to. It has the bangers. It has the slower, more introspective tracks. He talks very openly uh, and personally about his like dating life, his relationships. 
um, his exes, what it's like to be, you know, what a lot of rappers talk about, which is like they're they're going through the most interesting story <laughs> that there is, which yeah. is coming up in a huge way. Um, so yeah, I I'm really excited for his future, but at the same time, this album is really listenable. Like I would recommend it to almost anybody. It's it has enough mainstreamness to appeal to a, a broad spectrum, but it's also unique. Cool. So yeah, that's boogie. Yeah, and B- let's boogie. let's just go through all the music now, and then we'll go to the rest of the stuff. Sure, sure. All right, we'll we'll break it up classic style then with uh, with <laughs> music style. Okay, so we're gonna jump to Hunter. Okay, well, um, I'll just kind of uh, quickly uh, just say that. I've been listening to a lot of Vampire Weekend in anticipation for their new album that's been coming out, and I actually have a little bit of a hot take about Vampire Weekend. What is it? I think, maybe not their best, but I'm going to say their most consistent album is Modern Vampires. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually, I mean, I really like Why would the first you, two albums so you're, and everything. So you're saying it's not their best? I'm just saying, I mean, their, uh, most, their best, it's kind of different. It's their most Vampire Weekend-y? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know about that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm more so saying that uh, because Vampire Weekend, they hit a major shift between Contra and Modern Vampires. They almost sound like they could be two different bands. Yeah, that's definitely um, true. And I think that I like the sound that they develop on Modern Vamp- on uh, Modern Vampires of the City. I think that it has a much more adult sound to it. It doesn't just sound... I mean, I love their self-titled album, but... It sounds like a bunch of like young kids just making some like indie rock music. Yeah. Where modern vampires, it's like, all right, they have a sound now. And unfortunately, that album came out in 2013, and it's now 2019, and we haven't gotten their next album to That's crazy. advance this sound. Man, has it been that long? Yeah, wow. 2013. Um, I really like Contra a lot, but I think Contra has some of the highest highs of Vampire Weekend, but also some of the lowest lows. AKA California English. I'd I'd stand by that song. I hate that song. <laughs> that is the one song in Vampire Weekend's catalog that I just cannot get behind. I think um I think Contra might be my favorite album. Mm. I'd really, really enjoy it. I, I mean, I think you can make a case for any of their albums. Um, and that's why they're a really, really good band. Yeah, they all they each album strikes a a, a slightly different and unique chord. And I think that, at least for me, Contra is the best one, in my opinion, just because they get they get weird on that album without, like, completely derailing what their sound is based on. Like, you, you have songs like Holiday, which, like, I think was probably the big single off of that. Yeah. But then you have uh, Giving Up the Gun and White Sky, which get into, like, a little bit more of, like, strange experimental um, sounds and 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 you know instrumentation and all that shit and even like diplomat's son yeah and and i song. think you're a contra which end the the album that like go off into these like kind of atmospheric realms and uh i i just love everything about that album. i'm looking at the track list right now it's 10 tracks and i love every single one of them like it's all great um so what are your guys thoughts on harmony hall oh it's, it's amazing dude i've been listening to that song so <laughs> much i think it's already like my most played song of the year so wow. far because i listen to it like constantly it's amazing <laughs> maybe i need to give it more time uh because it sounded a little uh kitschy i guess is the word a little a little uh soundtrack to the new dreamworks movie 
I could see that. I could see that. I mean, I, I'd be into that. The <laughs> the, uh, the hook is actually a callback to modern vampires of the city. Mm. Um, the I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Mm. That was a lyric that he used on. Um, what is this track called? Is it Fingerback? Yes. Yes. On yeah. Fingerback. Um, but it that's just like a one-off line in that song. But in uh, in Harmony Hall, it becomes like the central hook of the song. And I think it, it completely flourishes. And just between the 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 sort of backing uh, guitar lick, that kind of acoustic little guitar lick that they do, and the big kind of orchestral choral backing vocals, it all just soars and, and this song becomes... Probably, I don't know if it's one of their best songs, but it it seems like it it is getting people excited about Vampire Weekend after a huge break. Well, I I mean, it definitely got me excited because yeah. we should say Rostam, who is one of the main songwriters, who is the bass player for them, is now like writing pop music. Like he was a collaborator with Beyonce on Lemonade. He worked with Frank so was Ocean, Ezra. but um. He's kind of he's now left the band and is just doing like being a pop producer. So it was kind of made me wonder if it was still going to have the catchiness and the punchiness. I mean, take out that element. Well, we'll see about the full. We'll see when the album comes out. But this, I love this song. Yeah, Um, I I think the catchiness will be fine because Rossum put out a solo album and it's it's not uh, very catchy. It's very like. Like it has a lot of like modern vampire style, just like really produced and everything, um, but really not not as good. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, it's kind of to be expected. So, this really, this song kind of gives me a lot of vibes. I was uh, saying that reminds me of Damon Albarn's kind of solo mm-hmm. work a little bit, especially kind of in the verses that you get. It seems very much almost just like this is. They put out this song to say like this is a little bit of a growth of modern vampires, but this is them reimagining themselves in 2019 and totally kind of recreating a new product of Vampire Weekend that we have never seen before. Yeah, especially on the other track, 2021. Yeah. That sounds like a completely sort of different new sound. I don't like it as much, but I like kind of the thinking behind it with like the little the little boy sample that yeah. kind of carries throughout. I definitely think uh, Harmony Hall is the better track. I, you can tell that they labored over that one a lot yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ezra said in an interview that father of the bride is going to come out right around like may ish and it's gonna be 18 songs so, so that means that we'll probably get it, it's probably going to be kind of a mix of tracks of both of these songs that yeah wow i'm i'm all and for they're going to release them in pairs too yeah. throughout i dig ezra he he's a really interesting guy like i think he they haven't been doing stuff because he has so many different uh interests and he like he makes music for other people he has a podcast he worked on um on an animated show with Jaden Smith. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I don't he, know. Is that out? Yet? Yeah, it was that animated show on Netflix. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he he does so many different things. He goes on this podcast I listen to, and he just he just likes waxing poetic about just anything. Like he's he's oh, very talkative. Well, I mean, Yokio. These guys are like they're they're Juilliard boys. Like there's yeah. a reason why they're good at Columbia. what they do. Columbia. They're, they're so, little smarty pants. Yeah, they're kind of geniuses. Like they know how to make. This kind of they like dropped out because they were like, "Hey, we see like the formula on how to be successful," and <laughs> they were they did it. 
Uh, okay, real quick before we talk about Ariana Grande, I want to bring up the Bright Light Social Hour because they just came new out album. with a new album, and I gotta say it's a little bit disappointing. Mm. Um, it seemed they worked on it for a long time, I think, because their last album came out in 2015, mm. so it's been a little while. Uh, but this is a it's been a little while. <laughs> this is a band from Austin, Texas. They still have never reached uh, a, a level of popularity that I think they deserve because they're very very talented kind of psychedelic rock group um i i stand by their their uh their debut which i think was 2010 2011 yeah they they kind of boomed at south by southwest and they actually won the best artist of south by southwest back then and it kind of seemed like they were on pace to blow up but then they didn't they never put out an album until 2015 like they've been so kind of sparring with their music that they put out i love spaces still the place that's my favorite album oh you like it more than the self-titled i do um there's some really great stuff on their self-titled album but i just i love this psychedelic spacey sound Um, i know we saw them live right after this album came out and just hearing that that wall of sound hit you live yeah they're a great incredible. great live band but i i remember when we saw them um it was a pretty thin crowd yeah. like they opened for moon taxi and they just did they couldn't it was fill like out the room us and like eight other people and we're just jamming the fuck out yeah. on the dance floor and then we were able to like go up and talk to them afterwards and be like hey man good show but yeah, they've just never reached this level of popularity. And now with this new album, it's called Jude Volume One. Uh, I'm assuming there's a Volume Two coming. It seems just like a, a sparse collection of ideas, and it doesn't really have strong production value. Like you can still tell that they're very talented musicians, but the the production value it it sounds like amateur. It doesn't sound very professional. Well, I was gonna say that. I mean, some of the aspects of space is still the place that i love is this kind of jammy quality to them where it feel it has this live feel to it and in this it has less of like a live naturalistic feel and more of just a meandering uh feeling to it where it doesn't mm-hmm. really feel like it goes Songs just anywhere kind of yeah um the only song it's an exception to that is she want to love you i think that that song really has just a great sound to it it's catchy it just had me kind of dancing in the car listening to it for the first time which is what they tend to do that's what they're do best but then other songs on here just kind of go off and fade into nothing and then you're like oh that was over oh the album's over because it's only 30 minutes long yeah it is a volume one we'll see how it stands with volume two but i think there's a whole story behind this i think they lost a close friend um and Jude. It, yeah i don't know i don't know i have i'll have to read more into it but i think that they they did experience some some sort of personal loss as a band uh but i still think that they're really really talented guys mm-hmm. and i'll come see them anytime that they're around town in in town um because they're always a great band and they always fucking kill it so Brightlight social hour check out their their self-titled um and also um space, space. is still the place yes yeah. Um, so speaking of disappointments, we're not going to talk about Ariana Grande. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I got you guys with a fake new album. Thank you. Next new album after just releasing Sweetener, what, four months ago. Yeah. Um, they're almost like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a sequel. It does. Yeah. It feels like the next logical step. I mean, of course, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson had a big breaking up, um, a lot of, I mean, really 
due to factors by both of them that caused this kind of a thing. It just ended up not being a good fit. And so she puts out Thank You Next. And this album, it's not as poppy. It's not as catchy. It doesn't have the same verses or the same features no on it. No features on it. But this is like the most deeply personal album yet that she's made. Uh, because she's been going through so much shit over the last year and a half. Yeah, between it's all on here. Her, between Mac Miller dying, her getting engaged, her breaking off the engagement. There's just been so much in her life that you can tell is kind of torturing her inside. And I think that this album is amazing. Like, it's it's so different from what you'll get from most pop artists. Because I don't want to say that it doesn't have the poppiness, so it's not there aren't catchy songs on here. Like there's still some great tracks on here. I love needy NASA. Um, of course the three let's, singles let's talk about NASA been... real quick. Oh, I, I love that song. It's starting to grow on me a little bit, but when I first heard it, I was like, what the fuck? She's like, she's going like, um, I'm a space, I'm a spaceship. I'm no, spaceship. no, what is no, <laughs> no. She says, Hunter. you know that I'm a star. You know that I'm a star. I'm a need space. I'm a, I'm a need space. Oh, I'm a need. Okay, whatever. She's... Maybe I still had Lego Two movie <laughs> yeah, in my mind. It's like I'm a spaceship. <laughs> Ernie's like she's not a spaceship. If you if you really look at her, she's just not. <laughs> I love that song. because Ariana Grande has talked about before how she's always been like since she was a kid like obsessed with space and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a play on something that she's passionate about with also using her own. Self as like a star analogy, like that she needs space in order to be a star. It's very clever, like double entendre right there. It is catchy though. It is very catchy. It, it just kind of took me uh, by surprise a little bit when I first heard it. I was like, "What?" what and is then this? Um, on the last, the single that came out with the album "Break Up with Your Girlfriend," I'm bored. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the music video for this, but it's a wild music video. Um, it's essentially. Ariana Grande uh, kind of stalking this couple uh, with this guy and this woman who looks exactly like Ariana Grande but isn't quite her. Hmm. And it's not entirely clear what the message is but because it's left very, very open, but a lot of people are kind of taking it as her wanting Pete Davidson to break up with her so that she didn't have to do it because she just wants to spend time with herself. (laughs) Yeah, pretty wild stuff. But um, then we get the track Ghostin'. Yeah, which this is, one made me cry. <laughs> yeah, dude, this song, like, it's, she samples Mac Miller's 2009 um, from his 2018 album and, like, really slows down the beat and just kind of really just lays her heart on the line that she's, don't be, like, upset with me because I'm crying for him like talking to Pete Davidson because she can't help his feelings. I mean, she was in love with this person and now he's dead. Like yeah. he just died month, two months after they broke up. Like that's a horrible thing for somebody to actually have to go through. She does like, she'll spend a couple tracks at a time in this album. Just like, I'm not concerned with making a radio hit here. I'm just going to make something that's for myself and I think that's something that pop artists don't do enough of is really laying their heart on the line. And she does that. Yeah. Especially since she just put out the big pop album, yeah. with Sweetener. That one has all the, the super glossy bubblegum pop. Um, and now with this one, it's like, okay, I'm going to take the time to like really, really kind of be personal. I don't think it's a better album. I still prefer Sweetener, but 
there's still some tracks on here that like I like, like Bloodline. The, sure the you... instrumentation on that one oh, is yeah. like super. Oh, strong. I mean, the production on here is still just as like. Yeah, it's not quite Pharrell level. Um, but I, I, th- I still think it's great. I'm yeah. not a fan of Seven Rings. That's like the oh, other I, big song. I really like Seven Rings, but I'm yeah. also just a sucker for anybody who takes a sample of a uh, few Sound of my of favorite music. things. Yeah. <laughs> Panic at the Disco did it. It worked well. Ariana Grande yeah, did it. It worked well. Solid. Um, yeah, and I'm, I can't wait to see this album live. I should say, with uh, some of my Super Bowl wings, that $5.6 million yeah, just that a I want small from the Super Bowl. Just a little sliver of that. Yeah, and he only invested $5.7 million to, <laughs> to win that. Yeah, so, so it's a real You're w. a real Fred Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually going to see her live here in Orlando. At Amway. At Amway Center, so uh, I can't wait to see her. I'm sure oh, that it's yeah. going to be an amazing <clears throat> show. I was just talking with someone about her because I was like, I hope... I hope that things turn out all right for her because we tend to be really shitty about our pop stars. We tend to just use them up and then we get bored with them. And yeah, like, all right, look you're at, done. Look at the Britneys of the world. Look at all yeah. these kind of pop stars that just kind of get chewed up and spit out by the machine. Especially yeah. because she is being so personal in these songs. Yeah. Like she's really like opening up about what's happening in her head. So, yeah, so far she's making all the right moves, but you know, a lot of artists, you can't fault them for it, but you're, if you're if perfection is expected and you make one wrong turn, then all of a sudden it can spiral and i i th- hope things turn out for her okay because she seems like she has a good head on her shoulders yeah um, all right so that's ariana grande we have a couple more things to get through before the break so let's make it quick um, um i'm just gonna quickly uh say we had a new steven soderbergh movie come out this week on netflix high flying bird high flying bird um this movie was kind of made for me. <laughs> like this is a movie I know it's a the lot algorithm. of people a lot of people aren't going to like be as in love with this movie. But Steven Soderbergh making a movie about labor relations during the NBA lockout is exactly what I want to see. That's yeah, right up it. my alley. Super um, into it. Shot had, on iPhones as well. Yeah, it's all shot on iPhone 7, which I watched this and I'm like all right, I don't have an excuse. Nobody has an excuse for why they can't make a movie because he gets the most beautiful shots ever, and it's all with natural lighting and an iPhone. And you're like, I, oh. Steven, this isn't even fair. Like, just stop it. <laughs> stop I mean, what you're look doing. At, uh, look at uh, Sean Baker with Tangerine, yeah. too. Like, it's it's a whole new It's amazing. Game, it's yeah. kind of, it's it's inspiring for, like, young filmmakers out there that it's just like, no, you don't need a 30 million dollar budget in order to make this movie you can shoot it yourself i think we should we should save a full discussion of this for next week because i still have yet to see it drew you haven't seen it either right no and i'm I'm gonna skip uh yesterday i did a little valentine's day double feature movies but i'm gonna save that for next week too it'll be a valentine's day special Mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh but the cast is yeah the cast is stacked andre holland is amazing he's the lead yeah um this isn't a there isn't a lot that really happens in this. It's mostly just Steven Soderbergh directing a really awesome script that kind of uh, carries a lot of the weight because um I'm a one minor spoiler. Nobody actually really plays basketball in this movie. Uh, well, I guess I'm not going to fucking see it now. It's just Damn. kind of it's all like a lot of monologuing and kind of talking and walking and getting shots of New York. It's written by a, a playwright. It's um, the same guy that wrote the play that Moonlight was based on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, no, the script is awesome. Cal McLaughlin plays 
like an NBA owner. He basically is playing like a mix between James Dolan and David Stern. Oh God! Except um, they wish that they were as attractive and charismatic as Cal McLaughlin is. Yeah. Um, is he more? Is he more mayor of Portland or uh, evil Cooper? Oh, definitely more mayor of Portland okay. because there's something like kind of he kind of has this dumb charm to him that you just. Makes him so likable, even he's if he's... Ama- he's an amazing actor. Even if he's just kind of, like, you know that he's, like, a shitty, despicable owner, you still, like, kind of want to sympathize with him because it's fucking yeah. Coop. <laughs> also, uh, Melvin Gregg of American Vandal Season 2 fame. Yeah, he's really awesome. Um, Zazie Beats gave a shout-out to... Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto is in there just for, like, a little bit. Sanja Son is really good. We'll yeah, this, we'll definitely get more into it next week. I'm excited. I, I fucking love Steven Soderbergh. He's been one of the most prolific yeah. directors of our time. I'm not a Soderbergh completist. Like he makes so many movies, and I don't get a chance to watch every single one. But he he's made like I mean just Ocean's Eleven right there. Like that's one of the greatest films, I think, of all time. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple more things before we take a break. Um. Staying on this Netflix train, I've been watching Russian Doll, which kind of came out of nowhere. It, there was no big like lead up to it. It just kind of dropped and then everyone started talking about it. Um, but yeah, this is a new show on Netflix. It's created by Natasha Leone and Amy Poehler and Leslie uh, Headland. Natasha Leone was on um, Orange is the New Black. But apparently she's like a big character actor who's popped up in a bunch of random comedies. Yeah, she's someone who is she's in the scene in L.A. She's in the comedy scene, like live shows and everything. Stand up. And yeah, I think she does some sort of stand up. uh, And she just she has a look to her where you're like, why aren't you always on TV? Because she's funny and talented and uh like not like it's not like i'm saying like oh she's so hot but she's not like grotesque and mm-hmm. a lot of talented people are just like you can't even look at them also she's <laughs> she's fucking hilarious yeah she's like, really she, funny she is so great in this show she just has like this snarky like kind of asshole attitude to her uh and she's a co-creator so she has a lot of creative input and this show just there's a reason why it's called russian doll because every episode you uncover something else you take off uh, a layer and there's like something new is revealed every single episode so the first two episodes i was kind of whatever about it i was like yeah this is just the groundhog day thing i get it you know she's dying over and over it's literally groundhog day but at a hipster new york party Yo. but then as the episodes play out and as you start to get more into the story it starts to really reveal itself and what it's really yeah. about it reveals itself as more of a happy death happy day. death day yeah that was gonna say it was it's more of an edge of tomorrow actually uh, it's more of yeah. a source code yeah <laughs> so what you're saying is that we should stop with this premise of it's groundhog day but no it, it actually manages to be quite interesting and it manages to use that sandbox and play in that in that it's becoming a genre of its own uh and and you know be be its own thing i i think it manages to be this like kind of straight down the middle just tv show because nowadays with in the thralls of prestige tv we have so many shows that are like so important and so serious and this one manages to be like kind of like a throwback to classic tv where you could just kind of like 
chill and relax and not be like super super into it serious about it but then it it managed to take that and incorporate these kind of like high concept sci-fi themes into it and it, it all works i'm not quite done with it but i i've heard that it ends on like a super super high note and she directs the last episode uh i think i'm like maybe two or three episodes out from the end and i really like it, it takes a turn around the halfway point that i really didn't see coming and it kind of changes the whole story uh so i really recommend it it's pretty short it's like eight half hour episodes hmm. i've watched i think six of them maybe five um, so I'm kind of taking my time. A lot of people just blew through this in a weekend, but I'm, I'm sort of like chewing on it a little slower. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. It's it's super strong in terms of cinematography, production design, acting. Uh, the writing is snappy and funny. So I, I really like it. Uh, that's Russian Doll. And- I, I'll have to check this out because uh, it keeps popping up at the top of Netflix's yeah. feed. And it's been kind of annoying me, <laughs> especially because I got on there yesterday to watch High Flying Bird, and I had to actually search for High Flying Bird. A new Steven Soderbergh movie got sidelined for... It's been either Russian Doll or this new Kevin Hart show that's now on Netflix. Or the Ray Romano special. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I shouldn't have to search for Steven Soderbergh, okay? This should be like watch this yeah. right now and it I I like it. I I think it's I'll solid. It it's not like transcendent or anything, but it's pretty it's pretty damn good. Um all right, real quick, I've been watching Mindhunter. You guys haven't seen this, right? No. Uh, Mindhunter on Netflix. I really I really dismissed it uh back when it came out. It came out 2017. And I'm finally getting back around to it. I mean, it's David Fincher. I think season two is coming out this year, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if like it's something that I should be paying attention to. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's not like as good as David Fincher's movies or anything like that, but it definitely has like his kind of visual tonal stamp on it. Uh, it's definitely different than I expected it to be because I thought, you know, it coming from Fincher, I thought that it was going to be this like really serious drama in the vein of like Zodiac about like FBI yeah. agents investigating a serial killer and it kind of has like this weird humor to it like the lead is kind of like this uh vanilla guy and his uh partner is like a more kind of serious grizzled cop in there they don't quite gel like the chemistry isn't quite there and I'm not sure if that's the point or not um I wouldn't say this is essential TV but it's on Netflix and it's great to just kind of put on um and I, I mean, if you like David Fincher, if you like, um, you know, cop stories, FBI stories, serial killer stuff. If you like the police. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's every episode is mainly these two guys helping uh, traveling around the United States, helping police departments out with uh, serial killer cases. Yeah. And I bet the young guy is like, well, if we use these psychological tactics and then the old exactly. guy is like, no, we hit him with the sticks and then they confess. Well, that's what you think. The the old man is not he's not old. He's like middle aged. He's more of like a pragmatist. He's mm-hmm. not as much of like a kind of traditionalist. He's more like, look, like these are kind of middle America uh boys in blue and we gotta we gotta play him as such. We can't be hitting him with your existential mumbo jumbo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh so there's there's some good kind of 
you know, heightened little yeah. humorous yeah. parts that play out. Uh, I'm kind of halfway through it. We'll see if I make it through the whole season. It's yeah. not bad. It's not terrible. Listen, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I want to, I, I need, I know that I need to get back into it because the thing is, whenever it came out, I was super hyped for it. I watched the pilot and I was just not into the pilot. Man, I I thought the pilot like sucked. <laughs> I just was not it really um, disappointed me. And, and then I just everyone like, says it gets better though. Yeah, I've heard that it's I mean yeah. a lot of people back in twenty seventeen had it as one of their favorite yeah. shows of the year. Fincher directs the first two and then the last two. So um, I'll I'll see I'll try to make it through the end and, and tell you guys if it's if it's any good. Um but let's take a break and we're gonna be talking Lego movie and our top non-Disney animated films when we get back. So stick around. It's just a casual conversation I'm having with two friends right now. Yeah. So, um, brought to you by CBS. No, it was Walgreens. Walgreens give us coupons or something. Um, so uh, went there right after I got off of work, and uh, I needed to get some toilet paper. It was late at night, so I go in there. I shouldn't have to explain myself why I went to Walgreens. Went in there and buying this toilet paper. And I looked on there, and there was a set for DVDs. And it said, buy DVDs. These matter. What? These still matter. And I was like... Oh, like DVDs in general Yeah, like matter. DVDs matter. Like physical media matters. I was like, fuck yes. Doesn't, doesn't and then I saw, have like a huge wall of DVDs? Well, this was like right there at the front of the store. Okay. And I thought about just doing it like, fuck yes, let's do this. And then I realized it was a DVD for Deadpool 2. Dude... Was it one of those fake covers? No, it was, it was okay. licensed and that, product. And so what, what Deadpool would say is, uh, DVD's nuts. <laughs> and then he would take a poopy on the camera. Ah, oh, Deadpool did it. <laughs> and he, did, be, yeah, he did Deadpool. It'd be have, epic. You, have you seen the fake covers of other movies that have Deadpool on it? No. Oh, yeah, God, if you go it's to the Walmart. Walmart yeah. yeah, if you go to Walmart, it'll be like Ghostbusters, but with... Deadpool like with is all every the character. Oh, he's so yeah. meta, bro. Dude, Deadpool's meta. And just like Fox thought that this would be a great idea. They're like, hey, what if we take a shit on every one of the classic movies that we've made? Deadpool's like, lol, your canon is freaking lame. You know what I would add to my shelf, though, is a movie that has a Lego cover. Fake Lego cover. Mm. Give me like... Bionicles mm. the movie? Mm. Well, I'm God, thinking. That was a uh, I'm thinking more classic. like like let me buy like the master, but every character is Lego, but just the cover. I don't want to watch like the master. <laughs> I want to watch version. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Lego <laughs> form. Um. Well, all right. Let's so let's let's it. let's get into our review of the Lego Movie Two, uh, and we'll knock it out before getting to our countdown of our top three favorite non Disney animated films. So we're hitting you guys with a nice, uh, you know, review, 
and then a nice segment to complement that review. Yeah. So if you don't want to listen to the spoilers, you can go ahead and listen to our spoiler-free thoughts and then skip to that time code, which is down below in the description, to hear us talk about our top yeah. three non-Disney animated yeah. films. I will say this is not a spoiler-heavy uh, movie. There's there's a couple things that yeah. I, I think should be saved for spoilers. There's um, one thing that you can figure out immediately if you have, like, a half-decent ear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I wouldn't say that's a spoiler. I It kind of is. I, 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 it depends. The marketing hasn't been revealing it, so I don't okay. want to spoil that. Is this the, the spoiler um, discussion you were talking about? Like, us talking about what is a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's start with our, our thoughts on the movie. I'll, I'll start. I, I, think this is a, I think this is a great movie. I, I don't think it's as good as the first one. Uh, it's probably around the same level as the Lego uh, Batman movie, kind of like slotted right in between those two. I'd probably put this one just slightly above uh, Lego Batman, uh, but not quite as as electric as that first Lego movie. You know, it doesn't quite capture the the kind of unexpected genius of that film, which I went back and saw. And I think it doesn't quite hold up as well. There's certain things about it that come off as like a little bit too uh, just overly silly, especially in that middle portion. I still think it's a great film. Um, And I think that this movie uh, suffers even a little bit more from that stuff. It's kind of like information overload at a certain point. It's just like cramming in so many jokes and so many references and uh, just you know so so much it's so much movie at a certain point that i couldn't quite process everything that was going on but i still loved it i still had a great time um so what are your thoughts um i also i really really enjoyed it um this is actually probably i never saw like i started to watch lego ninjago and then i didn't finish Uh, it i I forgot about that um, movie i love lego batman um i just because i grew up loving the Batman character and because it kind of dismantles everything about Batman and his past and it's kind of just this whole new twist on seeing Batman. I really love that one a little bit more than this movie, but I still really enjoyed this movie. Um like you said about there being a little bit too much, there was definitely some of that. There was a little bit too many live action breaks that kind of you depended on those rather than it being like a weird like totally surprise uh like in the first movie there's you can't do that surprise twice no yeah exactly um but it just seemed like a little bit too reliant on this kind of whole um meta idea of somebody actually playing with the legos that you're seeing versus it feeling a little bit more of a natural shift in the first movie um there is several musical numbers uh in this movie which I think only varying degrees. I think only one of them worked for me. The one with Batman was the yes. only one that I liked. Yeah, I like that one. But even so, at that point, that's like three songs in, and so I was just like, "Oh God, it's another musical <laughs> number, huh?" It like it kind of remind me of like something that some people say that's just like uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody it was critiquing something that had a musical number, and they're like, you know, musicals are like the easiest way to. Uh, like write around a bad script <laughs> it's just to break into a musical number that mm-hmm. doesn't really explain too much about what well, you you're do, watching yeah, you cram exposition um, i disagree that this is a bad script or anything like that but I, it's lord and miller they it's, still put yeah, together lord and miller um 
Mike Mitchell actually directed this, who made the Trolls movie, and also, I know, at least my personal favorite of the Shrek movie, Shrek Uh-oh. Forever After. Uh-oh. Also, Rob Schraub, Rob Schraub and- didn't get a credit on this, and he was working on it for, like... Yeah, he left. Yeah. He um, was supposed to direct it. Too busy, like, rescuing dogs or something. <laughs> Have you seen this freaking guy's Twitter, folks? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh... Yeah, unfortunately, we're like we're on the same page here. Uh, we're not going to be fighting, which is what the viewers are just craving for blood. I want to come on here and just be like, this movie sucked. It insulted my childhood. I'm throwing away all my kids' Legos now. Mm. Yeah, so it didn't suck. Uh, it's not bad. I, I agree. I don't think it's as good as the first one. A, a large part of why the first one was great was the surprise of it. Um, the the freshness of the animation style was it was vibrant, which it was, is still great in this. Movie. I know it's exactly it's still awesome. Um, the, the and I agree the the live action is a lot more effective in the first one because you don't necessarily expect it. Um, and I also think that there's too much going on in this movie. Uh, the ensemble grows, uh, the cast grows. I I agree that the musical numbers. Personally, I think like 80% of the time, I don't need musical numbers in my movies. I'll listen to music if I want to listen to music. Well, because it, musical music numbers work when they advance the story. Which is the what the Batman musical number does. Yeah. Yeah, just even then, like, I don't know. You can advance the story by, like, advancing the story. <laughs> you know, not, I don't know. It, I, they just didn't strike. In a movie that has so much going for it, to just add another thing was, it was ambitious. I'll give them that. Um, but I didn't necessarily need that. Um, however, this is I still thought this was a good movie. I had a good time watching it. Um, it's fun. It has a great message for kids. It has uh, plenty of jokes for adults. Um, you know, plenty of like meta style epic Deadpool stuff. Uh, yeah, all the all like the DC hero. Uh, yeah, jokes. Were yeah, those are really, really good. They were great. <laughs> um, there's a way to do it, Deadpool. <laughs> you can. <laughs> You can make meta jokes and still have a good movie. Um, that said, I think that doing that was a lot fresher in 2014. Um, making jokes in the middle of the movie about how other movies are and how this and movie is. I, I think in terms of quantity, too, this sort of starts to get ahead of itself. It's it's overload at a certain point. Like, just the sheer amount of uh, not just jokes, but also, like, themes yeah. and uh, just ideas there and is references. A lot. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to say, because yeah, the ensemble has grown, but this kind of becomes the Chris Pratt show, where I think that the first one, it was so charming, all of these different unique cast members that you have, like, that are all so different from each other and so niche. Yeah. And, I mean, some events happen, people get captured and taken to this other world the sistar system mm-hmm. um in which they kind of it just becomes chris pratt really having to carry the weight of everything and i i, I missed the other cast which members, the other i members i'm 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 gonna try to not dip my toes too much into spoilers here but i do think that in some respects this movie is better than the first movie especially with how it handles chris pratt and how it manages to carry this through line of like commenting on chris pratt's career yeah that was definitely that was very very cool I, to see I, that <laughs> i with the the amount of different things happening in this movie the fact that they managed to do that and not 
have it feel tacked on or half-assed, I, I found it pretty damn effective. Well, I also think that this does a lot more for Emmett as a character, too, than the first movie did. The first movie was more about the story itself, and this is more about Emmett's character and kind of coming to a realization with who he is as a person. Yeah, the first one is more about like the theme of everyone is special, everyone and he's is a con- awesome. yeah, and he's a conduit for that. He's mm-hmm. like he carries that theme of like you can be this ordinary, uh, you know, yellow faced block of uh, plastic, and you can still be the most person, most most special being in the world. Um, <laughs> is that what it's about? <laughs> it's about how you can be a Lego and still be a good guy. Um. Well, I, I do want to, yeah, so I we all like this movie. I do want to say it just, I think the biggest difference is this is less economical, I think. Uh, everything in the first, like, it, it's just, the first Lego movie is so tight to me. The script, like, they make use of every moment without, like, overusing every moment, without, like, just flooding you with shit. Um, the jokes worked a little better in the first one. I think the directing was probably better in the first one. There were some, I don't know. There, there were, there were a few, uh, cuts and shots in this that I, I was like, I, I definitely recall the first one being like unbelievably be, like beautiful to yeah. look at. And yeah. I mean, whenever it came out in 2014, that was like one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. Just we, Cause it hit me by su- such surprise like yeah, whenever it came we, out. Yeah, we saw it uh twice in theaters that year. And yeah, we were probably high. You know, get over <laughs> it. It's a great way to watch <laughs> Wait, the <what>? movie. <laughs> um I will say to that point, I really felt like this movie it was a lot clunkier, and I think it's because Lord and Miller weren't directing. It was a lot clunkier in balancing that adult and child approach you know they lord and miller like we talked about with uh, spider-man i mean they didn't direct that but they had their hands on it basically like fully fusing those two tones into a singular vision and with this movie i could feel the flip of like hey yeah. we we're losing the kids by doing a character development scene. a little bit more so yeah. let's let's we're, we're losing the children let's flip over to a scene where we get them back and yeah. let's flip back and it was it was way more jarring uh, especially because like I could feel I could look around in my theater and see literally see like the scenes where the children were were not engaged and then the scenes where the adults were not engaged. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, they're like the because the meta jokes are ex- like complicated in this movie. Like mm-hmm. they're not uh, just simple. Like oh, this is a movie. Like they get extremely in depth about like tropes and like things that you would have to read about sometimes. Or uh, even the dialogue scenes that yeah. take the time to like develop these characters, and you basically have. Uh, I want it. God. I didn't realize this would be a spoiler to talk about this specific part, but yeah. you have a, a certain character who is basically like coming to terms with his own self, and it's this like inner battle that you see play out on screen. And like mm. to an adult, that resonates, you know, but to a child, it's just like it doesn't. Yeah, the, quite a kid's like, I've understand. only been one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I I just feel like I'm not gonna watch this again. I feel like if I want the feeling, I'll just watch the first one. In a way, like it's almost it's not quite as big a gap for me as Creed and Creed Two. There's a, definitely a bigger gap mm-hmm. there in between the level that it's on. 
but I just think the first one delivers a little better on most levels. Well, I think also we have Lego Batman in between there, and Lego Batman uh, still carries that theme about family and the importance of like what even a f- yeah. being a family means, uh, and you know what kind of value you should find in that. And I I think that this movie actually like really really banks on that and, and carries that forward. I think that, yeah, I think that aspect is definitely more clear. I just, I think that Lego Batman is just, like, a truly, like, smart and funny movie, and it, like, ramps up the meta commentary to, like, fucking 11 in that movie, and just kind of, (laughs) that movie, one of my favorite aspects is exploring the character dynamic between a hero and a villain, and how they kind of have to love each other because they both need each other in their lives. Which is the essence in order for of them those characters. Yeah, and I think that that's just so smart and unlike anything I've ever seen that that really uh, made a huge impact on yeah. me. But um, I wish we would have gotten more Batman in this. Yeah, that was see, that's what I mean by like kind of some characters get sidelined. Will Arnett is amazing the, as Batman. He's so good. Well, we get, I mean, in addition to, like, all these new tertiary characters, we get three new, like, main, quote-unquote, like, could be a villain, could not be. Like, three new main characters, basically. Mm-hmm. We get Tiffany Haddish and then uh, the two others, you know, no spoilers. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice. And it's just too much, I think. I really think that that is too ma- When we have a, such a great ensemble of, like, hilarious actors that we love and we know their characters... And they are completely sidelined. Like, they are totally... Only, Chris Pratt and Elizabeth Banks get enough time, and no one else from the original ensemble gets enough yeah, time. Yeah, which is... is it's it, a little disappointing. Um, it, but in, in terms of the 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 added sort of layers, uh, the imagery that we get here, I, I, I was pretty into that. We, we get shades of, like, Mad Max and Star Wars. Yeah, that was really cool. Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, with chris pratt in there yeah um and at one point it even like becomes the the creepy neighborhood from a wrinkle in time <laughs> so there's there's a lot going on here um, i i i was into yeah, it my, my favorite meta joke was elizabeth banks's character talking about how she's a much more interesting character than the male protagonist yeah um, yeah hear, hear that ready player one <laughs> um all right final thoughts before we get into spoilers um, I mean, it's good. If you like the first one, then you'll like this one. If you thought that the first one was a cash grab to sell toys, then you'll probably think the same thing of this one. Yeah, the greatest so. ad of all time. Well, if you <laughs> if you think that, then I have terrible news about everything ever <laughs> that you've ever consumed. I will say this has a lot of great callbacks to the first movie. It like does. I watched, I rewatched the first one right before seeing this. There's some amazing, like straight up visual references and and great callbacks to that movie. It's it's I, I I welcomed it. Um, it was great. What yeah. would you guys rate it? Well, it's, it's, I it's I'd a, give the first one like a strong eight. I'd probably give this one like a light eight to a seven. I'd give it like a high seven. Yeah, I'm first one. I'm a little bit higher on just because I've probably seen the first movie probably close to ten times. I, there was a period of time oh, where wow. I would just I would fall asleep to it just because it's like it's night. It's very easy to just like watch and kind of have on in the background. Um, so that I'd give probably like an eight point five. This I'd give like seven point seven to an eight. Yeah, yeah that's what like, I'm giving it. Kind like, of yeah. right in there. I'll give it a seven and a half. We're I all have, in the same range, which is very boring <laughs> for the listener. I but. haven't I haven't revisited the first one, uh, but like from what I remember, it's like a nine for me. Like I fucking love the first yeah. one. Uh, 
Oh, the another huge thing I want to say before spoilers is like stay for the entirety of the credits. Of this oh my movie. god, it's beautiful. Yes, the, it, it's the funniest part it's of the some movie. Lonely <laughs> Island stuff gets it, in there. Like le- legitimately. <laughs> oh, the song. I, yeah, le- yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I legitimately laughed more during that than the whole movie. <laughs> and the whole movie was funny, but yeah. like the credit song is so it's so good. great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's all, and then we'll have a short spoiler section. But you know, all right, yeah. So if skip you don't forward, care, you don't care. Skip forward if you want to hear our top three uh, non Disney animated yeah. films, which you do. And we're gonna get into spoilers for the Lego Movie Two, the second part, starting <laughs> right now. <laughs> Did you download an app just so you can? I've that. had this app for so, a while. Oh, I was oh, looking okay, for a reason so we, to use we, it. We got to talk about how this is a Law & Order tie-in, this, <laughs> this movie. Yeah, I mean, that was a spoiler right well, there in itself. <laughs> before before we dive into the whole like twist, the, the, the twist and turns that this plot goes on, I really wanted to ask you guys about like the overall theme of like siblinghood. Well, in this, yeah, in this film. Well, that I wanted to say this conflict resonated a lot more with me because, and I think it would with anybody. Like we all, we, we all have sisters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. All of us do. Uh, we can all wreck. Like the first one is about him conflicting with his dad. We can all reckon with having like a strict dad. However, how many of our dads? like have a lego village and they're really like hey don't touch my lego village <laughs> well like okay. it's it makes a lot more sense to be fighting about toys with your sister yeah. than with your dad there's a couple things here i think when looking back at the first one like i said i rewatched it i really found myself connecting with the slight theme we get at the end there of will ferrell's dad character like tapping back into that childhood uh, imagination mm-hmm. aspect and realizing that you you have to find your inner child to to like you know to to live a, a happy fulfilled life and to be a good father. I I thought that was great, and I thought that that worked a little better than you have to be a good big brother and you have to be nice to your little sister. Well, you're, and I was, you're a little meanie though. Well, <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you guys like, do you think that with your sisters that you look at, at that theme and find that more resonant because you fought with your sisters. I think that it's more realistic of a thing. Um, I think that the first movie, I think that that theme was more effective in the way that it was told. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, Drew, like you said, there's something a little bit of a disconnect with like everybody's dad, you know. Don't, you, don't you go to the fucking basement and touch yeah. my Lego city. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I think that um, this movie, I mean, everybody has, everybody fights with their sibling, playing with toys and stuff like that, learning how to play and get along. And I think that that's something that we can all kind of relate to, even if I don't think it's as well executed as it is. Well, because exactly. to, me, to me, I, I mean, Camilla, if you're listening, let me know if I'm wrong, but I don't remember ever arguing with my with my sister about that kind of stuff well, i'm I don't sorry we're not all from fighting. a perfect household okay <laughs> yeah i'm Ooh. from a broken home okay Ernest? i don't know if you know this about me <laughs> did you guys destroy your sister's toys oh i would did destroy all them? kinds of my sister's shit but also okay so i my sister is seven years older than me so we didn't exactly have to worry about mm. sharing toys because okay. we'd be into different stuff but i was still like a terror of a little brother and i would just go in there and like she would break your toys shit. Um, yes, actually, yeah. I, I remember her like breaking one of my my Yu Gi Oh skateboard scooter in oh, half no. whenever what I was a, a kid. And, yeah. What a bitch. Yeah, Heather. Heather, what the fuck, Heather? I thought you were cool. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm like a year and a half older than my sister. We fought all the time. Like specifically, it, like the the thing that ended up connecting us wasn't sharing the toys, but it was just getting along despite being different. And that's more what it's about. the The bridge they use is the toys, the Legos, because the Legos are pretty a little bit important to the movie if you really pay attention um <laughs> wait did legos make an appearance in this movie well it's a it's missed, a reference you'll have yeah. to get it it's a good ah. thing we waited for the spoiler bumper for that <laughs> but yeah they use the legos as a bridge but the theme is about sharing your existence like sharing sharing your consciousness almost just like getting along mm-hmm. it's about just like you know what yeah you're different the way you play is going to be different like just deal with it which carries over to like again to my point of this movie being overloaded it carries over to two other themes one is like think about the kids that saw this movie or that saw the original five years ago right now they're getting into that teenager years and it's a perfect through line for those kids to have a movie that gives them the message that, like, hey, don't give in to the darkness of teenage angst. Yeah. Like, be nice. That be was, kind. It was, I mean, they really are, like, using this. It's It does what every great kids movie can do, which it has a lesson for both the kids who are watching it and for the parents that are watching but it also, with their kids. But also the fact that it's, like, so far apart, you know, that, yeah. that these kids have grown up and... and Uh, need a much more mature message than that first movie and also this is a little bit more subdued and i had to like think a little bit more to reach for this one but it's also an allegory to the hellscape of trump's america (laughs) and how everything is not awesome you know my favorite uh aspect of this was the fucking dream couple like ultimate power couple is will ferrell and maya rudolph man Mm, like yeah (laughs) watch out pta like get the fuck out of the way will ferrell's coming in here maya maya rudolph was a great surprise i really enjoyed that but yeah there's like this idea of that everything's not (laughs) awesome and we just have to be kind and work together to make it that was actually that was kind of a cool message that's just like sometimes things like everything isn't just great all the time but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to make things things are bleak okay I kind of feel like America is just kind of all torn apart in pieces in a storage bin. Yeah. A great bin of storage. Yeah, we have to sing to get yeah. out of this. Um. So, yeah, the, the surprise obviously was gone. Like, in the first one, it, the very end is the only time we, like, legit cut to real life. And, and it, it works oh really my, well. Uh, yeah. oh, like, oh, when my. I, when we saw that for the first time, I was, like, shocked. Yeah, it was beautiful. That. It was it was unreal. And it still brought tears to my eyes upon rewatching. Yeah, it. exactly. It's so great. Uh, in the second one, I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm glad that they didn't try to surprise us again because we know at this point. Um, so they didn't treat us like idiots, which is good. But that was gone. Well, <laughs> in terms of surprise, though, I do feel like the time travel subplot was a surprise. I didn't. I obviously like we knew it was Chris Pratt, yeah. like <laughs> voicing both characters. But the fact that it was like literally his future self traveling back, I was like, oh, there we go. That's a nice surprise. Well, I mean. See, the thing is that I kind of saw the twist coming from like a mile away just because Chris Pratt voices this like older grizzled Chris Pratt. So I assumed that it was some other kind of dimension him or something like that. And I was like, all right, this guy, he seems like the cool guy, but he's going to be bad. And then the people who they think are bad are actually good. And they actually genuinely aren't evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> wasn't that. That was pretty predictable. It was pretty predictable. But I don't think that that really mattered. Like that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie whatsoever. Because, I mean, 
they did a good enough job with the scripting that it's not just uh, cliche for just the sake of storytelling. It was the story mandated that this would all make sense, even if it is a little bit. Yeah, and I loved all of the meta jokes for Chris Pratt's uh, new. Man, the fucking dinosaurs running. They even they have like a shot where it's him where he's running and then the dinosaurs are behind him. It's literally like the first Jurassic World movie. Yeah, it's it's great because. It's literally commenting on how he was this lovable pudgy guy on Parks and Rec, you know, this like cuddle ball of love, and now he's like this serious. And he got left hero. alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was all hilarious. One of my favorite jokes was when they were they're they're going through all of his many basically roles like because they're going through this guy's like jobs or whatever he's yeah. like dinosaur trainer blah, blah blah and then one of them's like script doctor because <laughs> 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 like, that's not even chris pratt that's just a joke um so yeah uh, like there was some there were plenty of great jokes in this like really really funny stuff bruce willis bruce willis yeah. that, as himself so fucking funny that was just incredible like what it just was so out of nowhere that, that happened yeah she runs into him in the vents and he's like i have a home i don't just live up here crawling through the vents <laughs> yeah and then later on when they're trying to escape they're like oh is that bruce Willis? Oh, excuse me Sorry, yeah <laughs> he's he's yeah <laughs> that was all great that was all uh fine and dandy the message was obviously great um for any kid any like all the messages in this the so the real life scenes you can i guess you can tell me in the first one did they look so weird did they use soft lenses in the first one because they use soft lenses in this it's like foggy it looks like yeah well i mean it looks like almost like dreamlike which i think is like from the perspective of the lego yeah exactly it's only certain shots there's there's a couple of of shots in the first movie where it goes to like just straight up uh, you know, nice, wide, well-lit shots. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when we are kind of seeing these large... When we are seeing the humans as these, like, godly, larger-than-life creatures, then we do get these more kind of weird experimental soft shots, soft focus shots. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the... the we Okay, Will Ferrell gets, like, final billing on this, and we don't even see his face. He says, like, two words. I, yeah. Yeah. No, what you see is, there's a picture of the kids, Maya Rudolph, and him in the background of one yeah. of the shots. Yeah. But that's all. That they got him to take one photo and then come in and do, like, an Here's hour's check. worth of voice work. Also, uh, Brooklyn Prince of uh, The yeah. Florida Project. Mm. She plays the her. sister. I was like, huh, oh, that's her. Yeah. Um, I was kind of a... Uh, Okay, I lost where I was going. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we've kind of touched on everything. Um, uh, let me look at my notes. Yeah, we we kind of we kind of ran through everything. The only other thing I wanted to see is going back to your point about the expanded cast. Most of them didn't really do much for me. I was kind of out on Tiffany Haddish. I didn't really dig her. I thought the song with Batman was good. But, I mean, her whole origin kind of has a nice little twist. To oh, it. yeah. In the end, it, it turned was, out great. It oh, was that Emmett, is. It was Emmett who made that, that for them. That was a good moment. Show. And it was actually, that was the brother making a little Lego thing for his sister. That was, that, yeah. that tugged at my heartstrings. Yeah, that um, was nice. So, here's the question. If they make a third one, would it be too copycat? for the plot to be about how he just doesn't play with the Legos anymore. Would it be two Toy Story 3? Ooh, interesting. Because that, you cannot 
I don't think they could make him. I mean, I guess his dad plays with him in adulthood, but like it wouldn't be relatable if it's about like a 17 year old that's just like still super into it. Well, they could they could skip the Toy Story 3 plot and just go straight to Toy Story 4 and do like a road adventure movie. Yeah. Or he's just maybe he's just a dad now. (laughs) They'll like explore the sentience of their Lego beings. (laughs) Or maybe he's like um uh, like a MAGA cuck or like um, uh, what a uh, soy boy? Incel. He's like an incel yeah, and he's he a soy lives, boy. No, he lives in Chad. his basement. Oh god, he's like huge and just plays with Legos he's like every like, second of his life. All women should want to fuck me. Yeah, because of my giant the, Lego collection. And that gets projected onto Emmett, and then <laughs> oh, Emmett just god. goes around. <laughs> it's an R-rated Lego movie. Yeah, oh, and, and we get into like Chris Pratt's church in real life. Whoa, the super anti-gay church that he goes to. Are you listening, Lord and Miller? We got your we got yeah. your next big hit yeah, right here. Guess what, Lord and Miller? You guys are you're fucking out for Lego Movie Three. We we bought a mic is in. <laughs> we're the we're new Rob Schraub. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get uncredited. <laughs> Pratt is Pratt is catching heat right now, and he because of the it. church. Yeah, he just straight goes to this church that's all about like you know conversion therapy and all mm-hmm. this shit, and uh, he's just like, yeah, no, I'm gonna keep going to it for sure. Like, you know, I follow him on Instagram, and he posts a lot of uh, videos of him like going hunting. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of hunting. yeah. He just well yeah. He just lives like in a rural place, totally moved away from Anna Faris and his child, like <laughs> super separate from them. Is he like Mahershala Ali in True Detective season three, where he's just like, yeah, I just go boar hunting, I get down on my feet, get Whoa. right there with the boars. Yeah, he's playing a lot of Red Dead. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that about does it for our thoughts on the Lego Movie two. Good, good movie. Good it's, movie. It's good. Yeah. I haven't seen High Flying Bird, but it's my favorite movie of twenty nineteen. It's it's. I mean, yeah, it's my second favorite to High Flying Bird, but, you know. All right, well, welcome back if you skipped forward um, through our spoiler section. So before Mm. we wrap up, we're going to count down our top three non-Disney animated films. Um, How do you guys want to do this? Should we do this like the Listomania and go around like one by one, three to one? Yeah, let's just Uh, do that. Okay, who would like to start? Um, So I had a hard time with this. Uh, because it it comes down to like how do I revisit movies that I definitely remember loving so much, but I have not seen in like fifteen years, Damn. and there's a good chance that it sucks. So uh, I I went with movies that I've seen in childhood and adulthood, and I can confirm that they're all incredible movies. Okay. Um, so uh, also we should repeat what we said before starting the podcast off, Mike. That if you're really really doing this list for real. Most likely, all of these spots would be Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> well, that's another issue. You know, we can't include like sequels of the same franchise or p- movies that are in the same. I mean, technically, you could, but I wanted to make this more of a diverse. Yeah. List. Um. So my number three is actually the Lego Movie. Nice. It, wow, le- it right. legit that made my made list. That made my honorable mentions. I have like eight honorable mentions yeah. on here. I I thought back and I really got as much enjoyment out of it as an adult as I got watching almost any kids movie when I was a kid. Like it truly is a, it was a great experience. It and was, it's a movie that should not work. Yeah. It, and it, it was just a movie that like really recaptured uh, the childlike feeling of watching like a Marvel, like an entertainment Marvel and, uh, but also juggling the adult 
aspects that made it into a funny movie yeah. for an adult. It, yeah. it really it succeeded on all levels for me. I loved it so much. Also, the social commentary just in the opening sequence of him like getting up and starting his day, mm. it's razor sharp. Yeah, so oh, yeah. damn good. Especially thinking that that movie came out in 2014, two years before the presidential election, and you have this character, President Business, Lord Business. And everything that that kind of encapsulates that character and his approach to governing yeah. the city is like, I just it's, yeah, it's so good. I just think Will Fer- Ferrell's character is great because it, I think it's because it's just like not even like relatable. It's just, it's not just that he has all the Legos, but the little things he's doing the whole movie. It's like what like that guy is like <laughs> your hero, like Emmett, really, you fucking pussy, like. <laughs> Like he's being so weird. Like he's on the spectrum or but something. Then yeah. There's a so... shot where he sees like the great creations that his son made, and he's like, "Wow, you made this!" Yeah, the... yeah. I was like, "Oh my it's god!" It's so powerful. Yeah, the the end is like like goosebumpy. Should... This movie just shouldn't work in any way, and it does because Lord Miller, fucking, they're the guys. Yeah, like, they're they, so good. They did the shit out of it. It's just great. So it made my list. Uh, oh. Who's next? Hunter, number three. My number three is the Iron Giant. That's um, my number three. Nice. I, yeah. I actually, I haven't seen this movie in years, but actually, I, I watched this movie probably like two or three years ago, and I just sobbed so hard. Like every single time I watch this movie, it's so effective, Super and it's kind of, man. it's almost like a movie that's better for adults than it is for kids. And I loved it as a child, but then watching it now, you can see all of this like political commentary that it's taking on with it being during Cold War times. Yeah, but also it's like of the Bush era yeah. too. And it came out. I think it came out before nine eleven. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was it was even before Bush got Bush. elected. So it was like coming off the 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 hills of uh the heels of Clinton and uh Daddy HW, Bush. Yeah. yeah. So that whole approach to like pacifism and like, you know, not going into war just for the sake of yeah, war. Yeah, no, I mean it's incredible. I this is Vin Diesel's best role as the Iron Giant just grunting and groaning around. <laughs> it's his mm-hmm. best performance. Um I just oh god I love this movie so much. Even it's just hand like drawn. About it. Yeah, it's hand drawn. Ready Player One definitely did right by it. As we know, oh Iron boy. Giant likes to be big destroy yeah, monster things. He likes to blast people into <laughs> yeah. oblivion. It had all the same emotional impact <laughs> yeah, in Ready yeah. Player One. <laughs> just to just see him and then just see him like yeah. die or whatever. But I I love this movie. It's also my number three. I I think it's it's one of the the I think one of the most underrated movies because. It does. I don't think it gets the love it deserves. It kind of gets passed. I mean, on on Reddit, it gets the love. Every now, I feel like every few years, there's some kind of a big piece about how the Iron Giant is a perfect movie, and then people kind of start talking about it again, and then it goes away. It kind of comes back and forth throughout the years. And it's Brad Bird before Brad Bird became obsessed with exceptionalism and like, hey. Great people, you need to let great people be great because they're great, okay? Mm-hmm. So just let them be great. Again. <laughs> let Tom Cruise be Tom Cruise, okay? Yeah, yeah. so this this movie's more about just, it's it's kind of like, you know, that 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 E.T., like, boy and his creature approach mm-hmm. about, like, uh, fighting off the the man that wants to destroy this this creature. And the then corporate the, America. And the, the boy that seizes a, a, as the, the sensitive 
true it, uh, its sensitive true nature um but also again that that message of pacifism yeah and, i mean and, it's it's a great message for kids too that just like kind of caring for everything even if it doesn't look like you and like still kind of it's a great message for um always trying to kind of see yourself in something else even if it's another animal or a giant robot or something kind of like this ability just kind of pushing the idea for caring and for the, the world the way the the character of the giant of the iron giant is expressed is like it's so good especially with like how they kind of animate the the weapons that come out of him it's all a defense mechanism mm-hmm. you know he's not inherently violent but he can be if he's threatened so it's that whole approach of like him being this weapon because they are weaponizing him and not the other way around and then you know the sacrifice that he makes at the end is like one of the most beautiful movie moments so tragic of all time (laughs) and the outside it's like you're crying over a robot dying like what that's so stupid but but then the end you know that ending tag it's like it's almost like they were kind of setting it up for a sequel before cinematic universes and sequels were Mm -hmm. the thing and but it was just a way to be like hey you know he's he's still out there he's still out there yeah okay number two drew uh shrek one okay so i thought about putting a shrek movie on the list but i didn't want to spoil our discussion on which Shrek movie is the better Shrek movie. Yeah, I, I just went ahead and did it. So <laughs> this is my number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the reason why I put this one over two, and we're, we're going to wow. get into this next oh. week. Mm. Um, I I think... It's because of Smash Mouth, well, isn't it? Well, two, it's the, it's the age-old argument that like two wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for one. And I, I have more fond memories of two. But one really? started it all. One, yeah, it's one of those things where it's impossible to objectively judge for me. Like I, can, the it is inextricably linked to like memories and like feelings, and uh, I just remember watching one over and over and over and like every single week I would watch Shrek one because it's, uh, it's more funny than most kids' movies. It's it has like it plays for jokes. Uh, and it's just like a fascinating, like singular, iconic story about this just ugly motherfucker. Like it's so, gr- it's a gross. I loved it for that. Yeah. I love that it was like because when you're like a little boy, you're like, hey, yeah, boogers, hey, earwax. <laughs> um, and it's just, and it's also like uplifting, and it has great themes, and it. it I don't know. I th- I really think it's kind of the big, the whole package, and uh, the way it plays with like these kind of classic fairy tale tropes. Yeah, exactly. Too. It fucks with yeah. sh- things that I had seen before. I really didn't grow up a huge fan of of the Disney fairy tale movies. I know that that's bad of me, <laughs> but I really just wasn't a big like Cinderella and Snow White. I didn't love, but I had seen them so many times and then Shrek came along and he was like, <laughs> "Look, that's ever going to happen." And then Smash Mouth starts playing. <laughs> also, like, it's wow. really just Smash Mouth that gets this number one spot. Fiona is an iconic all-time greatest princess mm. like, yeah yeah she yeah. earns her spot in the pantheon her whole thing is awesome yeah, the love story is great how like he's he's into her and then she turns into an ogre and then she thinks that he thinks that she's gross but he's like no actually you look fucking hot as, yeah. as a, like a fat you know woman. this this reminds me i know we're doing a um a, a showdown review next week but we could stretch 
uh, Shrek into another podcast and do a Shrek recast later on. Oh, oh man, yeah, we should do that. Shrek. I'm down. Let's milk Shrek's okay. delicious nipples for all the green milk that they're yeah. worth. I would, I would make my Shrek uh, Chris Farley. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, damn. Like current Chris yeah. Farley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Hunter, okay. number two. My number two. This should be my number one, but my number one just has a very special place in my heart. My number two is Princess Mononoke. Nice. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite Ghibli movie. I think that this movie is perfect. Like, I it's really beautiful. like. There's there's nothing wrong with this movie or even Spirited Away, but this movie I think is. It's more adult than Spirited Away. Um, with this, it has so many ideas of classism, of environmentalism, um, of just kind of this a boy becoming a man and the empowerment of a woman leader. There's two different like women leaders that are both badass as fuck in this movie between San and Lady Iboshi. Um, this movie is so good. We talked about it a lot uh, a couple months yeah, ago. Yeah, when Lee was it- on. Yeah, yeah, whenever it uh, came in theaters. So I don't want to belabor the point but, too much. But... but to reiterate one thing that we talked about that time, the whole idea of like man being the only hope for nature because we were the ones to destroy nature. Like it's in our hands to save nature because we were the ones that fucked it over in the first place is communicated beautifully. It's in so it it's like visual st- storytelling at its absolute perfection yeah so my my number two i really i i had to put a ghibli movie on here and i almost put mononoke but at the last second i changed it to spirited away yeah Hmm. which i think is a little bit even though mononoke does have those like really big existential themes about society and humanity and all these things i think spirited away uh captures like the imagination of Miyazaki a little bit more uh he the the absolute like insane creative unique imagery we get in Spirited Away is absolutely yeah. unmatched uh this is my number one Great. I think I think Spirited Away <laughs> has a little bit more of a watchability to it too I would say yeah, yeah. And, and we have this story of um of this girl who is just trying to find her inner courage that's really all it is about it's a girl who is very very scared and afraid and goes through a whole journey of self-actualization to find her courage to, you know, take on the world. I and grow up. Yeah, uh, I think I've said this before. When, when I was, I used to spend weekends sometimes at my grandma's place, or at least spend like Saturday nights there. And she had a lot of uh, VHS tapes, but the two that I would alternate were Spirited Away and Max Keeble's Big Move. <laughs> 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 and I, I had them on like equal. Only footing. one of them has stayed up as a great movie. It's Max Key. Yeah, and the yeah. other one is they, Spirited they Away. They started to blend together. Josh Peck <laughs> becomes a pig. Dude, I fucking wish. <laughs> um so yeah, this movie is like it's ingrained into my brain. Like I I've had a recurring dream. I haven't had it in a few years, but like from my whole life I had a recurring dream about Spirited Away where like my parents would like disappear and like I was in that world and they would turn into like animals and stuff. Was um, it a different animal every night? I don't remember, man. I think in one they would turn into like different people. Oh wow. Like people from like a different country and they'd be speaking some language and I was like, I don't like the other <laughs> countries. I don't like the rest of the world. Oh my God. <laughs> um 
but yeah, it's it's really like it's haunting if you're a little kid. The world is what is what keeps me watching it. Like the yeah. world it is in is so fleshed out, so fascinating. The cityscape is beautiful. And what it does perfectly uh capture, which a lot of uh especially great animated stories like this this is one of the best things is that it feels like you're just watching just a small slice of this world. And yeah. like, there's this whole other side of this world that you don't even get to see. You're just getting like a peek in yeah. and that's enough. Yeah. I was just thinking about this because in the beginning, when she enters the city, it's, she's going downstairs like to enter it. Yeah. It's almost like it's in a basin, uh, even though there are skyscrapers above the skyline. Like it feels like when you're a little kid, like spaces feel like, close like they just feel like yeah this is just the world my house is the world yeah like that's what the movie feels like it feels like this is just such a world it could be part of a bigger picture but it feels contained in like a little kid's brain's and, way and the variety of design for all the different creatures and spirits it's like if you're really if you're gonna set out to design a world where you can just see spirits that could embody anything it could be anything like this is what you should do you know you don't draw them all the same you don't do one design and, and then just change it up a little bit you do dozens and dozens of completely unique and different looking spirits that all just pop and and you know kind of take over this amazing beautiful tapestry of color yeah I also I want to give a shout out to Castles in the Sky because it really yeah. it doesn't get a lot of respect as far as Ghibli movies go because it was made uh, I think primarily with an American voice cast like it was that was the first taping that was the uh, Christian Bale one right oh wait no I'm thinking of how Howl's, Howl's Moving. Moving Castle yeah yeah um and so and it was made in O three and I I just feel like it gets no recognition I love Castle in the Sky yeah I really, and Howl's Moving Castle I mean really Ghibli like my neighbor Totoro Kiki's Delivery Service yeah. like there's just so many unbelievably great uh, yeah yeah Ghibli movies um, but yeah that's that's one that I you don't I don't see a lot of people talking about like. You know, Reddit will have all these annoying threads like once a week. Did, did anyone else freaking see Spirited Away? Yeah. <laughs> and there's never even that for for Castles in the Sky, and it's so good. I Honestly, my unpopular take is when I'm watching uh, Japanese shit, I, I, I prefer the dubs, even though the voice acting is probably worse. Boo, I, boo, I, I, boo. If no, you I'm have subtitles, you're just like, I don't like glancing back and forth and back and forth like a million times a minute to read and then try to take in the visual imagery. That's not, that's literally not the point. This of is why movies. Drew hated Roma. It's true. <laughs> you're it's like, true. I don't know what they're saying. The words like didn't even matter for most of Roma. You're just, you're just watching it in no, awe. I think, I think if you're a true cinephile, what you got to do is you just learn Japanese. <laughs> yeah. That's what Wes yeah. Anderson wanted us all to do. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's just like, it gets a lot of hate that take, but I just I like taking in how the movie looks well, more than I like reading and taking in how the movie. Well, looks. I think that's a lot more forgivable in Ghibli movies because usually they actually get like good stars to do the dubs. Yeah. So they like, put work into it. I don't I don't really mind that as much as like if you're gonna watch a lot of other stuff, it's just like some of the American voices that they get to do the dubs are like terrible. Yeah, that's the problem. Is uh, especially in uh, television, like Japanese anime shows. So like for the dub voices, for suck. Example, I have I have a several honorable mentions, but in the in that kind of vein, Akira. Watching the dub is terrible. Like, the yeah. voices for it are awful. Like, that's maybe you have to watch sub because it's so much more dramatic hearing them, like, screaming in Japanese and 
when they're just like, oh no, it almost sounds like <laughs> they got like a Japanese person who didn't really speak English and like taught them like how to use it, but they didn't understand like certain vocal yeah. cues, like when to raise or lower your voice. So it just <laughs> sounds off. Yeah. Um, I did kind of want to run through a few honorable mentions before I give my number okay. one. Um, how to train your dragon. Yeah. The first time I saw that in theaters is amazing. Like I, I remember seeing, I think I saw it in IMAX and whenever you fly, it's like creates the sense of you actually yeah. flying. I, I didn't realize that the slash film uh, theme song is the theme yeah, from I How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> I was listening to it because I rewatched the movie. And I was like, oh shit, that's, that's the pretty funny. Theme. Um, um, actually, that that was gonna that would have made my list, but I, I rewatched it like like a few weeks ago, um, and it wasn't quite as good as I remembered it being, despite it being great. Like it yeah. has a great message and everything. It just is like I it's really short. I want to rewatch that. I want to watch. I've never seen the second one. I want to watch both Dude, of those before the uh, second one is Hidden World. Great. I think the um, second one might be yeah. better. Like it, wow. they they upped the budget for sure. It looks so much better. Oh, like wow. it's astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, Fern Gully. I yeah. saw this movie so Avatar? much as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saw this movie so much as a kid and I absolutely loved it. Again, plays great, on that whole great message. message. Yeah. Uh Land Before Time. Yeah. I love Land hey. Before Time. I didn't this used to be one of my favorite movies as a kid, but I'm not sure how well it holds up. Did you guys ever watch The Page Master? No. Oh shit. Yeah. That- I feel like that movie does not hold up, but I remember watching <laughs> it a lot. I loved that movie as a kid. Um, and then a couple like newer movies, Coraline. Mm-hmm. I love Coraline. I think Coraline is like one of the most unique movies ever. Um, like as far as the animated side and the modern uh, era. Oh, it's wait. so dark. I think I know what your number one is going to be. Um, let me finish I just this. guessed it. Because I was wondering, Kubo that. and the Two Strings. Man, Hunter's Love getting Kubo. this. Hunter's vamping for himself. And we didn't get this. Your name came out yeah, last year. I movie. love your name. Oh, but thank my you. number one is. Can I guess? Sure. Nightmare on Elm Street, or not Elm Street? It, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> it would have been, but that's technically owned by Disney. No way, really. Yeah, it, oh, that's why shit. it's in Kingdom Hearts. Um, oh. Donnie Darko. No. <laughs> my number one. <laughs> And it's, I know it's not the best, but it's my favorite, Space Jam. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had a discussion it about been, this. It would have been Nightmare Before Christmas, but since that's technically a Disney property, that's couldn't, it didn't qualify. So Space Jam, it's not completely animated. It has some live action elements, uh, namely being Michael Jordan, um, but and Bill Murray, yeah. of course. But I love this movie so much. I know that it does not hold up the best, but actually the animation itself holds up really well because it's still a lot of it is all the hand drawn right. and everything else. So it still looks good. Michael Jordan is a bad actor, but yeah. <laughs> it's genuinely like it's a good script. It's so unique and it's timeless in a way of like everybody knows what the monsters are and yeah it kind of gave new life to uh certain characters certain people like charles barkley's and oh. the uh all, like i all wish he had of... just starred in it 
He, uh, Charles Barkley is amazing. Charles Barkley is hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like Space Jam. I actually didn't really see it as a kid. Like, I saw it passingly once. You know what I did see as a kid is Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, I will I will stand for that movie. I don't think that movie holds up at all. It's, Brendan Fraser. It's I mean, it's, fucking great. It's, it's very similar. So basically, these, yeah, both of these movies are in the same uh, universe. They kept trying, they were tried twice to bring, like... The Looney Tunes back into being well, a thing for the younger generation did you, didn't work. So did you guys hear when this this news broke? I think like a month ago, they it was it wasn't announced or anything. But so there's going to be a sequel to Space Jam. Yeah, LeBron. After Looney Tunes back in action in Space Jam, there's going to be another movie after that. But back in action failed at the mm. box office. It was a flop. So they canceled a sequel, which was going to be Space Jam, but Tony Hawk. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. No, I, I, I'm, dude, I'm dude, Tony Hawk that... is so cool. If when I was, imagine you're a little kid, okay, and there's... like mid 2000s Tony Hawk. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Like 2003 Tony Hawk. Hey, also, he's just really funny. Like in interviews, he's still like his Twitter's great. Imagine he seems like a really like down to earth. Exactly, guy. he's like so rich and and apparently, evidently, I've heard he has an IQ of like 160 or something. He's a mega Damn. genius. But imagine you're like eight. And there's a Tony Hawk Looney Tune movie. You would lose your mind. Like yeah, I'm would, so sad about that. that. I mean, Space Jam. I it took my number one spot because I've literally broken bones because of Space Jam. I broke my collarbone as a child you singing "I Believe I Can Fly" by R. Kelly, <laughs> and uh, jumped into a uh, brick fireplace. And I was twelve. <laughs> I was twelve then. Um, I really thought that I could fly. Um, well, good thing that's but, the only thing that R. Kelly inspired. <laughs> yeah, he's the only thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, actually knew him. In when reality, I was a kid. if I was going to have a mixed live-action animated thing that's the best, it probably should be Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that's like a classic movie. Yeah, it is. Or um, Song of the South because I stand by Song of the oh. South. I don't care if it got blacklisted by Disney. <laughs> I have but. I have one more uh, to shout out, and that's The Road to El Dorado. Oh, I love that movie. It's so Ooh, good. That's yeah. not that's not Disney. It is. Yeah, no, no it's, it's not, not Disney. Disney. It that's is a great movie. It was truly DreamWorks, like, I believe. It was an awesome movie. Like visually, it was fun. It was funny and like a not quite like super adult, but in like an adolescent way. It was more grown up than I was when I saw it. Um, yeah. These guys were like really horny. It is DreamWorks. <laughs> it's yeah. about um, these two horny also, guys who just want to fuck this chick. Anastasia. <laughs> Did you guys ever watch Anastasia? That's as a, a kid? great movie. I yeah. love that movie as a kid. It used to scare me as a kid. I don't remember. Rasputin. what exactly it was but it, it it terrified me as a kid but uh, i have an analogy for why space jam found its way in my number one spot mm-hmm. it's like at that very end you just need a bucket to go and michael jordan's arm stretching across the court yeah which by the way holds up beautifully yeah um he basically uh he <laughs> took space jam from the bottom of my list and then reached over everybody else on my list and put it in that number amazing. one spot. yeah amazing beautiful all right, well, yeah, so my number one is Shrek. We're going to dive into that next week with our Shrek versus Shrek 2 showdown review. We're going to finally settle it, because as we all know, a couple of weeks ago... Shrek Forever After is the best one. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, the HBO official Twitter tweeted out, Shrek 2 is better than Shrek, fight me in the replies. Ugh. And it was a fucking bloodbath. Yo, brands are bay now. Yeah. <laughs> I dude, I want to. I I I have to like get off the internet. Did you see what happened with um? 
It was like fucking Little Debbie and like some other some company, some food brand was like uh, feeling really down right now. It was like oh yeah, oh Sunny D. D. I yeah. can't do this Dude, anymore. No, fuck so, that. No, so what's funny is uh, that's become more of a thing with branding. But really, the pers- the brand that started that is Moon Pies. Moon mm-hmm. Pies have been doing that for like four or five years now. Moon Pies were so also, ahead of everything. Also Denny's and, and yeah, Denny's, Denny's and Wendy's. Um, it's just so but really. I know Moon Pies was one of the first brands that like. I just like followed them just because I was like, oh, these people like they actually they know how to do social media marketing. They just make it like funny and they make jokes. And it stuff. just it's it strikes me as like dystopian to have brands acting like they're <laughs> depressed people. So you can be like, yo, I relate to Sunny Delight. <laughs> like, yo, that I is, go get a bottle of Sunny D. Yeah, like, bro, <laughs> like, Nabisco is literally me. <laughs> like, it's oh, oh, they're oh. like, hey, quarterly reports came out. Looks like I might be going under if you guys don't go to the store and go buy some of me. Yeah, yeah, I might have to kill myself. <laughs> Sunny D's like, I'm going to cut myself again unless you buy me. I yeah. know, like, there was another one that was like, Marie Kondo could rearrange my organs. Uh, it was yeah. Netflix. God. Yeah, fucking horny brands. <laughs> it's so gross. Ugh. They well, it's like a it's a subtle distinction, but someone noted this is that they have stopped saying we. Now they say I. Yeah. As yeah. in like I am Wendy's and I am your friend. It's Wendy's the, is me. It's the singularity. It's scary, man. I hate it. Everything's not awesome, guys. <laughs> and people are just like, this is actually pretty fucking cool. Like, this, this is, is epic. Yeah, this is epic. This is Deadpool epic right here. Yeah, I only follow brands, and I respond to all of them, and then I buy them. All right, all well, right. we got to wrap it up, because uh, Hunter has to drive to go see Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, I, guess so. I might go make a stop at a casino, might go double down on my winnings. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, are you, uh, is there a bet on whether or not they're going to play Welcome Home? Um, I have it at, I put all my money down at 65 to 1 that they will not play Welcome Home. Wow. Okay. So I lost everything. The winnings are too good, you know? Okay. (laughs) Also, before I forget, I wanted to acknowledge, uh, Colin, if you're listening, uh, that he did win the summer movie wager and we did watch Unbreakable and we talked about it two podcasts ago. Um, so that was our. Did he make a complaint that we didn't? No, no, no. I just, I just felt like we. Yeah, never, we never mentioned. We it. never acknowledged um, it. But yeah, um, he did want us to watch. You're being that. acknowledged. I but forgot. We didn't, we didn't do a commentary track, so maybe we could do a makeup commentary track on something else. It has to be something. Uh, I don't want to watch it on something good. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be bad. So tweet at us at we bought a mic uh, if you have any suggestions. Uh, I know I did a Twitter poll. On at we bought a mic for if our audience cared about Alita Battle Angel and if we should talk vote about was it. Yes, and the vote was yes. So we're not going to review it. We're going to stick with our Shrek versus Shrek two. But I'm probably going to go check it out. And yeah, I'll try and guys, check it out too. And let you guys know how it is. It's the new Robert Rodriguez film. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, that's next week. Stick around. Um, we got a lot of lot of goodies coming at you. High Flying Bird, more True Detective. Um, and then how to train your dragon three the week after that. So stick around at we bought a mic, uh, we bought a mic at gmail.com. Uh, maybe we should turn our at we bought a mic into a horny brand account. Yeah, brandy maybe wants that's to how fuck. We, that's yeah. how, yeah, we gotta get that freaking that blue, that yeah. blue check. Yeah, we yeah. gotta Shrek needs to fist me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like, like everyone says that shit. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, Shrek is daddy. All right, we're, Shrek we're, could we're, fuck me with one of his earwax icicles. Oh, <laughs> kill me. 
Oh, uh, we our our goal needs to be to get banned off Twitter for posting like Shrek and donkey <laughs> porn. Well, guess what? That's that's if you get suspended off Twitter, that's more content because then you can post a screenshot being like, "Lol, you suspended me for this." Yeah. Guess what? I'm back, bitches. Yeah. Um, I learned that from Crank T. Nelson. As long as we uh, as we keep uh, insinuating uh, Native American genocide, then we're all we're scot free. Yeah, no there ban is, there. There is no ban yep. happening there. Yeah, Jack from Twitter owns with an even hand. He yeah. rules so objectively. I love he's my like, MAGA daddy. Yeah, he's like, well, technically, he didn't say Trail of Tears, so <laughs> can't ban him. Actually, that's just history. Like it just happened. So what are yeah. you saying? Yeah. Right. Okay, uh, I gotta go. I'm getting angry. <laughs> where where can we find you? Uh, Twitter, obviously. Uh, Drew Deetson. Evil Truther. Any day might be the day I I grow up and delete it because it makes me miserable. But that could, same could be said for every website on the whole internet. Uh, that's it. It's like a trash fire. Letter well, Letterbox is the only thing that's a fun <laughs> social media. Twitter Twitter's like a trash fire in how it could it it, it signifies you know darkness and emptiness and dystopia I just, but it also keeps you warm well i hate it because i want there to be a social media site that is word centric because instagram is the picture centric one and i don't like it that much i prefer writing and it's like well the that website is the angry one yeah, at <laughs> least like twitter sometimes has some funny lol jokes to oh, it oh it has great shit it has great jokes but it's just an angry website it's <sighs> very mad mm-hmm. and it's it's every once in a while i i i latch onto a tweet about or i don't latch on but i stumble upon a tweet of people still arguing about the last jedi uh, and how oh my Ryan god that's Johnson great i love ruined. whenever i see yeah that. people <laughs> still are mad about it like dude calm down like, get the fuck over it all right hold um on. i am on twitter and letterbox at hunt mobley h-u-n-t-m-o-b-l-e-y also check out my website huntmobley.com mm, brand synergy yeah are you gonna yeah, do a right. full recap review of foxing uh coheed um i might i might okay i'm not gonna spoil what i have coming because maybe i don't have anything planned okay yeah okay that's just kind of what you're gonna get on board with me is you're gonna get realness (laughs) honesty yeah start the clock honesty (laughs) honestly honestly media yeah Yeah. trademark trademark hunter mobley's new rules If your baby's crying at the movies, I'm going to cry at the movies. <laughs> oh, before I forget, I wanted to say that when I saw a Lego movie in theaters, uh, there was a lady that pulled out her phone full blast brightness, like 100% <laughs> brightness, and just started scrolling through Instagram in the middle of the movie. Mm, good shit. I was like, but, are you, what? <laughs> didn't you have an experience with a Lego movie? Do you want to quickly, we forgot to brush so, on that. Oh, yeah, 4DX. Yeah, I watched it in this Premiere Cinema's 4DX. I got tricked into it, because the only way you can reserve a ticket online is with the 4DX tickets. Oh. It's a, well, it's a way to make you spend like $17 for a movie Jesus ticket. Jesus Christ. Which I was like, well, Nightmare scenario. Yeah, I know, but I needed to see it at that specific time at that spot, so I was like, fine, fine, I'll do it. But I was angry about it. So the whole time I was like, angry, like sitting there, like my seat's like moving and shit, and I'm just like, yeah, I get it. Like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> but honestly, I thought it was going to be annoying because the whole thing is basically just that like your seat rumbles in like you know big moments action moments it it moves sometimes with the camera which i thought was pretty cool it kind of tilts so is it d box it's different from d box though what is it? no it's i think it's the same thing 
What's what's D box? D box is like the chairs on hydraulics, and it'll like shake you violently, and then it's, it'll like kind of picks you up and moves yeah, you around it's, and stuff. It's not violent. I didn't have it on the highest setting. There are different oh. settings oh, of, okay. but it does. Yeah, it moves you around. I just know I've heard uh, um, some people talk about. Uh, I think it was D box before. Uh, it was on one of the podcasts with Slash Film. They were talking about seeing uh, the last Transformers movie. It was punching you <laughs> and, in the back. And when <laughs> Optimus Prime, there's a point where he gets stabbed in the back, and he got literally punched in the back. Yeah, a knife comes out. <laughs> but it's just a butter knife, so it's well, okay. Well, I mean, if you're watching Transformers 4, you're pretty much praying you're kind for of sweet like death. For yeah, death. you're like, thank you, D-Bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just it shakes you around, and I thought it was going to be really clunky, but honestly, it didn't really take anything away. And in some scenes, I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. Like, I'm moving with the with the motion of what's happening, and it was, it was kind of natural. It was enjoyable. I would never, ever pay for it again. <laughs> The problem is, it's almost like valet parking. Like they force you to pay for it because they're reserving the best spots in the parking lot. They like they take the best two rows of in the whole theater for this mm-hmm. these D box seats. Prime prime seats. Yeah, like it was perfect seating, uh, but it was like eighteen bucks or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not gonna pay for it, but it it wasn't bad honestly. I mean, you got Lego like straight into your eyeballs. Yeah, I so. stepped on Legos, <laughs> like the whole walk out. Um, yeah. Where there. are my pants? Yeah, that was funny. All right, okay. well, let's wrap it up. You can find me at Calderness on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox. Uh, and stick around for next week for our review of Shrek Two versus Shrek. So we love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Well, the water's ever still. That's what I want. And with every little motion, I'm further on.